Hello, everybody. Dave Hodges here. I'm the host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And in my pre-air discussion with our guest, Patrick Wood, uh, the foremost expert on technocracy, not just in this country, but around the planet, um, he, he quoted an old jingle I used to use, you can't dodge the Hodge. Um, <laughs> I think i got to start invoking that again because... I have put the Maricopa County audit in my sites, and you might want to refer to articles I've written in the last few days on the commonsenseshow.com where I headed off their fraud report coming out, handing Biden the victory with more votes than he started with. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is only an obstacle on the way to total technocracy control of the United States. And there is no one better to talk about this than Pat Wood. So why were mired in the fraud it, and why were mired in Afghanistan and uh, shall we say treason or trying the, the the resurfacing now of Hunter Biden's laptop? This is all theater. It's distraction that's taking our eyes off of what's really happening in our society to our freedoms under the guise of technocracy. Pat, did I sum that up okay in your mind? Uh, I think you did a good job. Okay. Yep. I just, but I, I think you are sitting on the mother load of information. There's all the other stuff is detail. We no longer have free elections in America. That's done. Dead, buried, gone. HR1, SB1 will completely bury the election process. Uh, we no longer have economic freedom. We don't have control over our bodies. Uh, my choice, my body from the abortion days. Well, now you don't have a choice over what goes into your body. Um, and this kind of sets the tone for me, Pat, when I look at technocracy, technocracy is about removing options from people. And I see the vaccine issue as the philosophical, ideological headline for what technocracy is really about, total control of the person. Yes, yeah. You know, I want to, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it is, it's just amazing what's happening. I've been following technocracy for about 13 years now, like, I had to go back and count it to remember uh, a long time. And people are all around the world now are starting to write openly. I mean, I'm talking about more high profile journalist types are starting to talk about technocracy now and write about it in the correct context. This is this is absolutely marvelous. But I'm going to I'm going to tell you, Dave, I've missed something that um, I'm, I'm not I can't say I'm embarrassed to have missed it, but. I've been talking about transhumanism for at least 12 years. Yes, you have. And transhumanism is closely related to technocracy because they're both based on scientism, which is a, a philosophy that science is God and you know the, the scientists and engineers are the practitioners. And it's been it's been acknowledged for uh, back all the way back to the 30s that the philosopher that started that whole thing, scientism is the found, founding father of both transhumanism and technocracy. So there's been a close connection ideologically um, between them. But for all of the stuff that I've discovered on historic technocracy, all the original research I did, and I, I ended up writing a couple of books about it as you know, um, the real driver of this whole thing may well have been transhumanism and using, in other words, transhumanism may have been in the first seat, the captain seat in the airplane. Yeah, I agree with you. Technocracy may well have been the co-pilot. And the reason I say that is because of this pandemic that we have today. Um, 
because the bum's rush is to get the needle into people's arms to change uh, the DNA content in the human race. And nobody would have expected, I would not have expected this on day one. I knew that stuff existed. I just would not have expected it on day one last year when, you know, when this whole thing started. But, um, but now we see more and more of this transhuman philosophy coming to the front. Even uh, Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, is talking about transhumanism. Openly. It's not, an, I know, it's not enough just to reset the world economic system. We need to reset humanity as well. So uh, you say, well, who's in charge right now? Is it, uh, is it some uh, you know, AI computer programmer at Google or something or something else? And you look at, uh, again, you look at the messenger RNA and now the DNA vaccines that are coming out, straight DNA, you have to question say wait a minute this is this has been the dream forever is to create humanity 2.0 for them and they're trying to do it right now and they're not telling anybody that really you know in a transparent sort of way but there's plenty of evidence that's already on the books for the, probably for the last 20 years that says these people are the most dangerous people in the world these, these make Nazi Germany yeah you're right Pat let me just interject one thing here that I want to get right back to what you're saying but I can give you historical validation for what you're saying. Vance Davis, formerly the NSA, is a good friend of mine. We have been friends for over 28 years now. And when we were brought together by a mutual acquaintance, the first thing he told me when we met privately was that um, he, in his NSA trading, and he was also attached to NATO, he yes. was taught that there was a war out in the cosmos. And this is actual NSA briefing to the to the trainees here for the work he was going into. And they said the bad guys lost and they were cast to earth. Hello, can you say Genesis 6? They didn't say Genesis 6. I asked him specifically. But it's Genesis 6. And he said the prize is the human soul. But they can't figure out how to unlock it. So what they have to do is morph the human being. He told me this in 1993. This is 28 years ago. And and he even wrote a book about it called uh, Unbroken Promises. And what's really interesting to me about this is he is describing transhumanism before the word was ever in vogue, and he didn't use the word in 1993, but he described what you're talking about. Yes. <clears throat> you know, I uh, that that was a, an important period of time in the early 90s. Um, you remember that's uh, in 1992 is when the Rio conference met uh, in Rio de Janeiro <clears throat> to create Agenda 21. Yes. Um, and sustainable development. That's where... That, that was the genesis of all that stuff that we see today. I said in my book that that pure technocracy is not, they, they just changed the name to sustainable development. But I missed something back in that period of time, and I, I found it in one of, one of my source books that I originally used called The Earth Brokers that was written in 1994 by a couple of uh, professors that were, uh, that were key players in the, uh, the real conference. They attended all the big mucky-muck meetings and and uh, they disagreed at the end of it. They said, whoa, wait a minute, uh, there's something wrong here. And they ended up writing this book two years later uh, in, um, in critique of Agenda 21 and sustainable development. And <clears throat> um, I want to I just read you a couple of quick quotes. You, you'll get it, but it's important to get, get through the whole thing. The first one 
that they said in their book, we argue that UNSAID, that's the United Nations Conference on Economic Development that, that produced uh, Agenda 21, we argue that UNSAID has boosted precisely the type of industrial development that is destructive for the environment, the planet, and its inhabitants. We see how, as a result of UNSAID, the rich will get richer, the poor poorer, while more and more of the planet is destroyed in the process. Now, we know that's happening today. There's, yes. There's, it goes on. The, talking about the Biodiversity Convention, which ran in parallel to uh, the UNSAID Convention. And the Biodiversity Convention was, was important. Most people didn't look at it. I've looked at it. I've got their, their book that they produced, like 20-pound book of 1,500 pages, crazy. Here's what they wrote. The convention implicitly equates the diversity of life, that is animals and plants, to the diversity of genetic codes. This was 1994. By doing so, diversity becomes something modern science can manipulate. It promotes biotechnology as being essential for the con for the con uh, uh, the conservation and sustainable use of biodiversity. Now that's that's a load right there. Genetic codes, manipulation. They said these guys were eyewitnesses. They didn't have a clue what they were writing here. I don't think in terms of what we know today, but they this is what they were talking about, and they just picked up on it. Talking about. And then listen to this now. It goes on. This is really frightening. And well, it was frightening back then, maybe. It's, they said, quote, the main stake raised by the Biodiversity Convention is the issue of ownership and control over biological diversity, which I just defined for you. And then it says, the major concern was protecting the pharmaceutical and emerging biotechnology in Wow. This is that's all. this I got to tell you that I'm almost speechless here because you just took the words out of a couple of people's mouths who are very good friends of mine. Uh, again going back to Vance Davis and Vance and I are still in contact and we just texted each other this week but um, he said almost word for word what you just said in 1993. Yes. Um, this was given to him by his NATO handlers yes. on behalf of the NSA. And then, of course, Steve Quayle has done, um, he's written books like Men into Monsters kind of stuff, transhumanism stuff. And, you know, and he, he sponsored a conference in Branson that I presented at in 2018 and then again in 2019. And he hit this topic hard and, and uh, very much talked about end product development of what you just mentioned here in this document. Yes. The the tra here's my point. Sorry, I'll shut up and get condensed here. The paper trail is complete. There's no doubt where this started and where it's going. Yes. I think you're right. And I and at this point, I think that transhumanism is the driving force and technocracy is right there to make sure it happens. Oh, man. Both joined at the hip. I'm convinced of that absolutely. But I've documented very thoroughly that uh, the sustainable development is just a repeat, a warm over of historic technocracy. And I believe that's fully believe that's true. Mm -hmm. But the chatter that was taking place, especially in the biodiversity convention that took place at the same time as UNSAID, in the same location, I might add, it was all intertwined. They just kind of separated it as a different track. Was this real de Janeiro? 
It was at Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, all the same. Thing, all the same players. All the same people. But it was just a separate track. Like you know, like you have an universe in a university. You have different tracks of, uh, you know, even within a course, uh, you might take one track that goes left, another goes right. But the chatter that was going on back then that they picked up on had to do with the re redefinition of the word biodiversity, which you and I probably would think, uh, and most people would just say, oh, that's, you know, that's preserving species in the jungle. I'm for that. <laughs> and, and honestly, I want to preserve the species in the jungle, uh, but it has nothing to do with biodiversity that they have defined as being the diversity of genetic codes, excuse me. They say diversity becomes something modern science can manipulate. This was their intention from the get-go in Rio, was to get a hold, not only get a hold of, you know, the, 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 the engines of society, to change society, but to get a hold of the genetic code of everything on Earth. Now, they've already done the seeds, they've done animals, and now they're working on people. And this, this was clearly stated by these, articulated by these people back in 1994. And so when they say the major concern was protecting the pharmaceutical and emerging biotechnology industries, you know who's in power today. You know who's at the top of the food chain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, emerging you have made this connection. I have never conceptualized it this way. This is brilliant. I can't I wait to call my friend Steve Quayle and, and Vance Davis today and tell them your analogy here. Uh, transhumanism is the pilot and technocracy is the co-pilot it's the means to get you there and I want to go to one more means you have corrected me in the past and I'm going to claim partial correctness but stand the <laughs> notwithstanding your correction um, I, I have likened this to, if you remember to Marxism and communism and the technocracy movement and so forth and you said this is a movement all unto itself that's kind of independent of this but as I look at the Biden administration now and, and where they're taking us I think they're using Marxism and communism as a vehicle to enhance where they want to take us. Do you think that's accurate? Well, I do, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Marxism and everything-ism downstream from that is the great destroyer of society. It always has been. No matter where it goes, it destroys everything. It's just a, uh, it's like gangrene. You know, it just gets started and then it spreads everywhere. This is important for both for especially for technocracy scorched earth policy means they have to burn basically burn the world system down before they can do what klaus schwab says to build back better mm -hmm. yeah. everyone here in the world is talking about build back better well where do they get that talking point they get it from people like the world economic forum because they're talking about building back better well what does that mean it means you've lost something something has been burned down to the ground and you're going to build it back better duh it's not build back better on what we already have. You have to build back better on something that doesn't exist anymore. Marxism, communism, and all the other isms, even fascism, direct fascism for that matter, are destroyers of society, burning the house down so that technocracy can rise out of the ashes. Makes that perfect sense. And it's right out of the New World Order dictum, which is... Um, out of chaos comes order, the new world order. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. This is <laughs> this is a stunning revelation. People who are listening are kind of getting uh, 
kind of a first brush at this for some people and that's okay um, we all have to start somewhere we've all been there but there are some people Pat who follow us on a regular basis and they're having aha moments right now just like I am yes this makes perfect sense it's you in see, your now. this is why you have the Antifa riots because yeah. you have to create the chaos Yes. It's why Biden is collapsing the economy, because you have to have the chaos. It's why he's selling us out to China. You have to have the chaos. Yes. Wow. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, you listen You listen to Klaus Schwab. He's got plenty of videos that are out there on YouTube and Vimeo. And you, you read the World Economic Forum website. You see all this stuff. Once you kind of understand what I just said, you'll see all this stuff uh, just come, just all of it, just jump off the page at you. Here's the way. Here's the way I explained it to when I spoke to uh, doctors for disaster preparedness in Tucson a few weeks ago. I said that, and I, the title of my talk was "The Evil Twins of Transhumanism and Technocracy," and I still hadn't really put together in my mind what I'm saying to you right now. But this is what I said: Technocracy is to societal structure and operation as transhumanism is to the humans who live there. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense, yeah. Right. Technic technocracy transforms the societal structure. Transhumanism transforms the people. Oh, yeah. Yes. That, that, that is, this is just really a reconceptualization of, you're just giving an organizational flowchart to how they're accomplishing their goals. I mean, but at the root of it, Pat, I'll throw this, this is kind of early in the discussion to go here, but I think it's here. Um, at the root of what they're doing is back to what Vance told me. They wanted to get the soul. These were defeated angels from Satan's army cast to earth. They want the soul to get back at God. That's God's prized possession, but they can't do it. So they have to go after the person themselves. Mm -hmm. That's, I, I don't know if you share that view or not, but I well, think at the root of this is, is, is Satanism. We're 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 close enough uh, in in a lot of ways that you know I can uh, I I can allow you to say that for sure. Okay. I may not agree with the for a couple you know a couple of technical things, but you're absolutely right. The devil is after the souls of men, and we see this in the Book of Revelation too, because that's the souls of men is one of the things that's traded in the mystery Babylon system, economic system. It says the souls talks about the souls oh. of men. You go what? How can how can you trade in the souls of men? Well, you know, right right now, these these people, these transhumanists that are bent on, on taking over genetic code are going after the most personal expression of humanity there is, and that is the, the human DNA. There is nothing more ingenious than, than the, the DNA structure of humankind. God put that together right that, that was a created item that he created in Genesis when he created Adam that his DNA was in him I, I you just would love to be a scientist and examine the DNA that Adam had but you can't do that but um, that, that they would go after the DNA today to change the DNA of humanity is in perfect line with what the Bible says about the devil he wants to do anything that will destroy God's creation. Anything. And this is this is it. I mean, this is you know, what could be more what could be more close or more closely held in God's creation 
than human humanity, right? This is the precursor to the tribulation, isn't it? It really is. I, I believe it. I, honestly, I believe this is leading up to it. We're not in it yet. I don't say that at all. But I agree with you. It's the system that's being created that will take us right into that period um, when when it does begin. And it, could, it could be it could be shortly, or it could be another few years. But I think we're knocking on the door. And the only thing that can turn us back from this is the hand of God Himself. Um, and he has done that before <clears throat> in history. I have to say, we can't ever, we can't ever put God in a box and say he cannot do something. He can do whatever he wants. And, you know, back in Nazi Germany, all the Christians that lived back then were sure that Hitler was the Antichrist, and that the world was going to end right then. They believed that. I, if I was living then, I would have believed that. Yeah, I would. I would agree. There, there certainly. Well, it, it moved humanity in that direction, but I understand why people overreacted. Yes. So we're, you know, we're dealing with an epic, an epic scenario here. It really is, and I, you know, I, I, you don't want to put any drama in it. it. Doesn't need any drama to to make the point. There is something huge going on in the world. There's a global delusion going on right now. The whole world is captured by this, this pandemic narrative. The whole economic system of the world is shut down. Tyranny is descending in every country and modern civilization, all of Europe, England, Australia, New Zealand, I'm sure I kind of remember joking with you when we met years ago <laughs> down in Yuma um, that Australia would be a wonderful place to migrate to. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the time you were correct. You know, but you know, some people went to New Zealand for the same reason. I know a couple of people moved to New Zealand. They're so locked down now that they can't even get out. They can't get out if they wanted to. They, they're they're captives of New Zealand. Fortunately, it's a beautiful place, but they still are just, uh, they're living under tyranny. Australia's a beautiful place, too. They're living under tyranny. I have a following in New Zealand and Australia. It's probably about 3% of my audience, mm -hmm. but I get videos, I get uh, first-hand witness accounts, mm -hmm. and people have no idea here how bad it is there. I you mean, know? they're making people, I'm not joking when I say this, you must put tape under your door in New South Wales, you had to download an app to take a picture of yourself when notified by text by the government to prove you're in the place you're supposed to be in at the time you're there, and you have 15 minutes to comply, or they come and get you. Uh, they maced. This hasn't made our headlines here. There were three girls that were had permission to go out for, on behalf of their families and get uh, food and essential supplies, and they were in the grocery store, and they had a little clothing area here, and they took off their masks to try on shirts, and they were maced by the police without a warning. Wow. I mean, this is the, how, how brutal these people are. And, and I, I don't know if you've seen this or not. It's making its way on Twitter, but I expect Twitter to kill it today. There are pictures of uh, Australian police and military firing very serious riot control pellets. They can kill in some cases, and if they strike a child, they can kill them easily. And this is going on. And I have the video of, of, of the firing here and the people falling. And uh, I don't know if you've seen that or not. But uh, also I've got two eyewitness emails to a man bludgeoned to death by the military. Yeah. For violating a checkpoint. 
They beat yeah. him to death. So this is this is part and part. I mean, it's like the spirit of Satan has taken over the leadership in Australia. That's how I see it. Yeah, it is. And it's unfortunate that the, the, the evil, wicked heart of man is always ready to follow some leader, you know, that, that says, hey, let's be evil today. I know. <laughs> we got to have a leader. Paul, we, I mean, me, Pat, we need to step aside just for a second here. We're going to take our first break. We're overdue. Um, and uh, we're speaking with Pat Wood. And uh, we're going to tell you a little bit later on how to follow his good work. And I think after this is the first time hearing Pat, you're going to want to follow him. But you're also going to want to follow my advice here, ladies and gentlemen. The, you heard uh, Pat say the economy is shut down worldwide. That's true. The food supply chain is broken. They want us to eat bugs. Read the World Economic Forum, people. This is where we're taking our marching orders from, or at least our leaders are. They, uh, what would their four categories of food they want you to eat? This is right from the World Economic Forum: plants, aquatic, um, bugs, and fake lab meat, for lack of a better term. And I'm just saying, folks, do you want to depend on this administration, the Biden administration, who left a thousand Americans behind enemy lines? That's the estimate now, from the contractors. Um, they're going to supply your food needs? I don't think so. And you're going to have shortages. So this is why we really are pushing the storable food. And I think MPS is the best out there right now. Um, the quality is good. I've tasted it. I mean, it's palatable. It's diverse. You won't get sick of eating the same thing. Uh, there's a good sale on. You can see at the site. And it's 25-year shelf life. And so this is really what you're looking for. Um, ladies and gentlemen, go to Prepare with Dave. Dot com. This is really, I think, really important. Um, and also, too, I'm going to say this very clearly, too. Um, Paul Preston and I both have information that a purge is on the table for the Biden administration of certain groups, uh, resistors in the military for vaccines, and certain members of the alternative media. And I have seen a list that would verify that second claim given to me by someone in a position of authority. And I'm not saying it's going to happen because it can be on the board, but they get resistance or they can't carry it out and they don't do it but you need to hear me and hear me clearly on this if they do something like this and i think it's in our future at some point they're going to shut down cities they can shut down a city the size of phoenix in 30 minutes they're going to take down the internet they're going to take down cell phone communication what they'll have a hard time taking down is satellite communication and my greatest fear even though i don't live in the city is that i have family members that would be in the city on any given time and we couldn't rally we wouldn't be able to communicate. And I wouldn't be able to communicate with people, other people who have sat phones uh, in the midst of a crisis and we'd be flying blind. That's why I have my sat phone. And I want to give you the opportunity to find out more by going to this number. Call this number up and they'll just, the satellite phone company will absolutely go through this with you in detail. And it's reasonably priced. By the way, people say, oh, Dave, it's expensive. I pay one fourth the cost for my satellite phone than I do my cell phone bill. So 855-980-5830 is the number to call, 855-980-5830. And please note, the, the products that we're bringing you here is not fluff. We're bringing you things that you may potentially need or already need. And I hope you're taking these warnings seriously. And if you don't buy from us, please consider the domains that we're talking about and take defensive action. I've often said you need food, water, guns, gold, ammo, natural medicine, and tools uh, to get through what's coming. And that's only on the surface. And I hope hope that you're spending a good amount of your time and your budget on preparation because this government will not take care of you. They've already shown that. Pat, uh, going back to the the notion of trans uh, of technocracy, 
what I wanted to do a little bit, we've hit it, hit on the, the philosophy part of it really, really well. And we've married it into the transhumanism movement, which perfectly fits. But I want to know how this is going to look like, what it's going to look like in society. When technocracy finally gets its total grips into the American lifestyle, what will that day look like for the average person? Well, boy, I'll tell you. It's not, it ain't going to be pretty, I can tell you that. You know, we're already in a state of chaos uh, in America. Nothing that we knew five years ago is still present in our society. Everything has been turned upside down. This is going to continue. This type of chaos is going to continue. The kind of destruction is going to continue. And the people that are doing this to us uh, obviously don't care about the loss of human life. This is important to make a distinction here. There's no concern about the loss of human life. Uh, you and I would be concerned, of course, because of, of anybody's life, just because of individuals. An individual person has a beautiful thing if they're alive. But the people that are bringing technocracy and transhumanism to, to, humanism to us have no respect for human life. And that means that, that horrible things can happen and many people can die, and they simply just don't care. They, they have no regard for that. It's, it's kind of like during World War II, what happened in Germany. They, they had no respect for all the people who died. They didn't care. They're just animals, you know, just nothing more than just bags of that. They don't need them. Get rid of them. Useless eaters. And we see the same thing today, even, even down to the, to the micro level, like, like Biden abandoning people in Afghanistan. You know, people feign uh, concern for those people that got lost, so they're probably all going to be murdered eventually. But nobody really cares that if they cared, they would do something about it. They would have done something about it if they cared. Do the vaccine makers around the world today care that all the people, uh, that the people that are dying from the vaccine um, matter? They don't care. It, there's never been a vaccine program in history that didn't get shut down after 100 or 200 deaths after you know after the vaccine was taken we're in the tens of thousands of people who have died now and nothing's being stopped they don't care so you know you that kind of an attitude dave uh is contagious to the evil heart of man when when other people's life doesn't count anything can happen and probably will um, someone told me this, and, and this is why we have you here, that in the UN literature, and, and don't ask me to quote chapter and verse, Pat, because I don't remember, but in the UN literature, um, the UN considers humans and animals to be on the same level. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is that true? It is. And that's what technocracy said originally, too. Okay. It was in the technocracy study course. I quoted quoted it in my book. Well, this kind of explains a little bit about uh, the dehumanization of their efforts. I mean, you can kill millions and it won't matter. Let me give you a good example. In the animal world, let's say um, a pig in China gets swine flu. What happens then? What happens next? One pig is found in some poor pig farmer's yard, and he has swine flu. Well, all of a sudden, you hear, you see a press release that 500,000 pigs have been slaughtered because that one pig got swine flu. 
just boom, they're gone. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we see this thing, we see this with chicken, the same thing. You know, if a chicken gets some kind of a, uh, some bird flu or something like that, all of a sudden you hear about millions of chickens were just killed because this, that, the other. <clears throat> the ease at which these people can kill animals is the same ease that they can kill humans because they equate them as, e as equal. Humans are just animals, like chickens and sh sheep and cows pigs they don't see us as any different on the face of the human on the face of the planet here Dave if they if they did we would not be in the situation that we're in right now there is no concern yeah and I've also read this and it's been really really old so if I have an accuracy in here that's why but the biblical um, schematics of control of the planet is man is given dominion over all course God has dominion over man and that's followed by um, animals fish fowl and uh, plants and the environment and so forth so there's a hierarchy to control but we're at the top of that but on the agenda 21 model um, the inversion happens where it's Gaia it's the um, environment that's the king of all and everything is done for the Gaia of it all and no difference between uh, plants, animals, and humans. We're all lumped together. Um, when did that come into Agenda 21, do you know? Was that at Rio de Janeiro, 92? Ab absolutely. All yeah. of those things, and I have to reiterate this again, just so people get a little bit of the background. <clears throat> the sustainable development that was introduced at the Rio conference, that it became Agenda 21. That was the, the, the marketing name, if you will, the agenda for the 21st century that we're in today. That, that whole uh, doctrine was produced during the, the mostly the late 1980s, leading into 1992, finally. And the UN had commissioned a special um, board or whatever commission, I guess you call it, called the Bruntland Commission. It was chaired <clears throat> by a lady by the name of, from Europe, of Gru Harlem Bruntland. Um, she was a politician and she was also an environmentalist. She also, most importantly, was a member of the Trilateral Commission. Aha, uh -huh. yeah, as, as he says, yeah. The book, Dave, called Our Common Future, that clearly defined sustainable development as being the way where we need to go. That This was a bilateral doctrine from the get-go. And so <clears throat> when they got a hold of it in Rio, the idea was to grab the resources of the world and create this supply and demand system where they would own everything and we would own nothing. And when Klaus Schwab stands up and says, you'll own nothing and be happy, this is where that came from. Precisely where it came from. It's a trilateral. How are we going to get to the point where we own nothing? Well, <laughs> I know. This is part of Build Back Better, isn't it? Because what's going to, you know, when your house burns down, Dave, you flee with the shirt on your back. Hopefully you have a shirt. When, it, when the fire starts or on and you everything in your house burns down you lose your photos you, you lose your your clothes and your furniture and everything's gone and 
in your house. That's what these people are anticipating at this point, uh, at least if you listen to a Klaus Schwab at World Economic Forum, <clears throat> that um, that this world system as we know it today is going to burn down, and they're going to build back better. Say, well, what's better? Well, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, um, you know, sustainable development. It's going to be an eco economic reset that flips the assets of the world into their hands, the resources, that's the land and everything in the land, flips it to them, and we end up basically with nothing. Now you say, well, private property, I'll have my clothes, won't I? Yeah, okay, you have clothes. You, you could call it yours, but that's not really what we're talking about when we say you'll own nothing and be happy. It's like there will be no private property. That's already on the chopping block. Agenda 21 took care of that. How are they going to get rid of your ownership of your home? <clears throat> well, this is this is easy, and it's happening right now. People are being twisted out. Even in the Phoenix area here, Dave, newcomers to Phoenix can't find a home to buy. They're renting, looking for a home to buy. First-time buyers are just out of luck, and you know why? Because these, these giant pools of money, like from from uh, from Blackstone, coming in trillions of dollars at their disposal, they're buying up real estate all over the country, and that's one reason. The, you know, the cash market is just flooded right now with cash for real estate. I see signs on the corner every time I go out now, buy your house for cash. You hear real estate ads, if we don't sell your house in 30 days, we'll buy it. Well, there's no broker in the world that ever could, could buy houses if they didn't sell. These houses are being gobbled up by these, these giant slush funds uh, just full of cash they're turning their focus on buying up assets of real property, real estate, land, whatever's on the land, farms too, farmlands is in the same boat. And when they do that, people are dispossessed, they sell their house, they're dispossessed from home ownership, trying to get back into home ownership at that point is really hard, very hard, because there's just no homes for sale that they haven't already swooped in and gobbled up. We see the United Nations going around the world creating these heritage zones all over the world. Debt for uh, debt swaps, if you will. They say, well, we'll forgive your debt if you'll give us control over this big tract of natural resources. The minute they take it offline and put it into this protected heritage area, it's not available for development anymore. It's just going to sit there and do nothing, attract flies, I guess. Uh, What's their objective in doing that? Get all the resources. Get, get, I, yeah. you know, I, this, I said this back in 1978 day with trilaterals over Washington. The, and I didn't recognize technocracy then, but I recognized what Rockefeller was doing with this crowd. They, they foresaw the day that money would not be money anymore, that whatever they had, the current level of money, fiat money in the world, was going to eventually die. But if they could get control of the underlying resources of the world, then it wouldn't matter what kind of money ever existed, if at all. If they own the resources, they control everything. It's called, I would call it neo-feudalism. Hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And there's another aspect to this too that's insidious. And I, I actually did a podcast on this the other day, and that's the capital gains tax. And, and I broke it down this way. It's going to be 43%. And so let's say you're a farmer and you net $100,000 a year 
and your typical farmer, you're, you're cash poor, but you're, you know, resource rich. And so maybe your plant and equipment add up to, well, let's say a million dollars to keep it simple. And that's really on the low end for a big farm. Uh, you got to pay 43% of that. So let's say the heirs are two kids, two adult children. Um, and now they come in and between them, they have to come up with over $200,000 or that, that uh, property goes into the possession of the banks yes, or the government, depending on, you know, what the local laws are. Um, this is part of the same process of eliminating private property, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> you know, we, we know that property rights in America have been chiseled away ever since 1992. Um, because uh, they've been divided up into segments where you may still own your house, but you're greatly restricted on what you can do with your house. Mm -hmm. Own farmland, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe you were a farmer and you said, well, I'm gonna save my land and my retirement's gonna be when I develop that land into five acre home lots. You know, uh, a lot of farmers did that. They wake up when they're ready to retire, and the laws have changed. Zoning has changed. They can't do that anymore. <laughs> they just get denied. They can't turn it into anything. Those rights have been taken. The development rights have been taken away. Well, property rights have been uh, have been fractured like this for decades now, and it's almost to the point where uh, where people become slaves to <laughs> you know to the bank or to uh, whoever. Um, they own the property, their name is on the title, but then they get beat to death by all these other regulations that come in and change the game on them. This, this has happened all over America, really all over the world, where property rights exist. Is, is there a trend that's, um, I'm not aware of it when I ask you this question, is there a trend that exists that shows that fewer people own property now because of these uh, regulations? Absolutely. Case, case in point. How much acreage does the United States government own in America? Let me just look this up. Just I, to know make in, I know in Arizona, I think they own 90% of our land, if I remember right. So that's, um, that's interesting. Yeah, so I, I hear what you're saying. The, uh, it's an inverse relationship between private ownership of land and government ownership of land. I want to say the number, the, the percentage is around, oh, here we go, got it. Um, the federal government owns 640 million acres of land. That's 28% of America's land mass. Now think about it. How did they get that land? They bought it with taxpayer money, or they just federalized it directly, but mostly they paid for it. What do they want with all this land? Is this how they're going to create the wild lands and the open, vast areas and crowd us all into stack and yep. pack communities? Yes, it is. And the Constitution gives no authority for the federal government to own land in America. None, except for a few ports and military bases, stuff like that, in Washington, D.C. There's, there's no constitutional provision for ownership of land, yet they own 20%, 28% of America, and that number is still growing. See, this is this is this is Marxism, and when you include corporate entities like Bill Gates Foundation, um, Blackwater, um, when you include these organizations, then you have fascism. There are a lot of overlap 
it, just as you look at it from the top down, kind of there's there's some, there is some overlap between technocracy and fascism because we see the giant companies that that uh, that belong to the World Economic Forum, for instance, same type of companies that belong to the Trilateral Commission. Um, <clears throat> these are the global corporate oligarchs, if you will, and they are calling the shots right now. There's no doubt. But I will submit that within all of those companies, there's a strata of top managers who under full, who fully understand what's going on with this resource grab, who fully understand technocracy and where it's going, and transhumanism too. Uh, that they're leading all those companies towards that state, and there will be a day when they throw all of the political systems of the world under the bus, and they'll just be gone. This I, I've talked about this before. I don't know if you remember the 1975 movie Rollerball. Yeah. This is kind of what you're describing here. Um, in the movie, six corporations ruled the entire planet, and there were no nation states. Is that is that where we're headed, uh, loosely speaking? Exactly. Let me <clears throat> let me tell you. Let me read you the definition of technocracy again from 1938 magazine called The Technocrat. Uh, it says, technocracy is the science of social engineering, the scientific operation of the entire social mechanism to produce and distribute goods and services to the entire population. For the first time in human history, it will be done as a scientific technical engineering problem. It goes on to say, there will be, this is the technocracy study course, their official manual, if you will. It goes on to say, there will be no place for politics, politicians, finance, or financiers. Technocracy the means of a certificate of distribution available to every citizen from birth to death. That's a direct quote, Dave. This is the attitude of technocrats towards politics, politicians, finance, or financiers. It's Alexander Hamilton on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's how I say it. Hey, before we, well, I, I need to take our last break here and then want to come back and I want to get you to refer back to 1938 again. Uh, very important. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, um, we're going into absolute economic chaos. The odds favor will come out the other side at some with some stable arrangement. Um, and I can't say what it'll be. You're hearing some of the possibilities right here with Pat Wood. But I do know this. Uh, if you have all your money in the bank, you're going to get killed. If you have all your money in centralized resources only, you're going to get killed. You've got to diversify. And precious metals is one way. But there's more than precious metals that the good people at Noble Gold deal with. And I am so impressed with them. I went from being an advertiser to a customer three times over. You have to tweak and you have to adjust as market forces change and they can help you and there's no pressure. They'll send you free material. They won't even follow up call. They leave that all to you. They're trained to be passive because they want you to pull the strings on your own finances. But they're going to give you options. They're going to give you recommendations. You owe it to yourself if you have assets to protect to call the good people at Noble Gold. And I do. I talk to them a lot. 877-646-5347. 877-646-5347. Tell them Dave Hodges told you to call. And one more item of practicality. We live in a time when things could degenerate very, very quickly. I mean, if we have an economic collapse, just-in-time deliveries stop, how long do you think the stores are going to be filled with goods? Less than a day. Hurricane Harvey taught us that. Hurricane Katrina taught us that. 
This is why in the fifth day of a crisis, the Naval War College says the number one cause of death is waterborne illness. And that's why I'm telling you, you don't need one water filtration system simple. You need several because they get broken, they get stolen, whatever. Um, we have several here in the Hodges household. And you won't have trouble finding standing water, but you'll have trouble finding drinkable standing water in a crisis. And this is why these devices are uh, really invaluable. The Alexa Pure Pro filter is where we decided to go as a show to represent because they gave us research that compared themselves to other companies and it's good research and they compare very favorably. In fact, actually, I'd say there's no comparison. They're the best there is. 40% off is what they're offering and they frequently go out of stock. I'm telling you that right now as a fact. We discontinued advertising for them for three months because they were out of stock because the demand was so high. So you better get yours now, 40% off. Go to waterwithdave.com. That's waterwithdave.com. Well, we're talking with Pat Wood, and I want to put an origin on something here. I'm so sick of seeing Ocasio-Cortez is this somehow gifted intellectual brainchild who shows up with Tax the Rich dresses at $30,000 a plate events. wonder who's paying for that. And she's supposed to be the author of the New Green Deal. Pat, try to suppress your laughter and address that last point. I don't. I'm sorry, I can't. <clears throat> it is total duplicity, total hypocrisy, and it just underscores how phony this whole narrative is. Um, it, it's like this: when there was a speech given by the um, the head of the Muslim Brotherhood that took over in uh, in Egypt some years ago. And he was a fierce guy. You know, he wore black all the time, and he was always commanding the people with the guns in their hands. <laughs> yeah, I see the image. Horrible man, right? And, yeah. And so he's giving a speech one day, and as he put his hand out, his the robe on his arm pulled up, you know, the black thing he was wearing, pulled up on his arm and revealed his wrist, right? On his wrist was a wristwatch that was, I can't remember the brand, it was a European uh, maker of wristwatch, and it was like a $250,000 wristwatch. <laughs> and here this guy is preaching, you know, off with the infidels' heads and, you know, making like he's Joe Poor. And, and all of a sudden you see, oh, wait a minute, there's, there's the disconnect here. Why is he wearing that kind of a watch this you know, that's worth, uh, you know, 50 times more than any one of his soldiers have. Um, th just total disconnect. AOC is a disconnect. She's just a total, total disconnect. She's, she was played from day one. I'm convinced of that. She's just a, an actor or an actress. She did not write the new Green Deal. It's God, a, no, she yeah, she, tell she the did. audience where it came from. It came, well, it came straight out of the United Nations. This is sustainable development this is agenda 21 green new deal that's what they've been saying all along they this has been hashed rehashed and rehashed probably a dozen times since 1992 but it's always the same stuff underneath they call it different things because they try and get a different marketing name that will catch you know that will take hold in america they've called it smart growth that's a good one that worked actually smart growth is known everywhere Every county and city, oh, smart growth, yeah, we're into that. Well, they don't really understand they're into sustainable development. They just changed the marketing name. So Green New Deal is nothing more than a marketing name for 
2030 agenda and Agenda 21. Same stuff. And would you say it also could be considered to be a euphemism for the public seizure of private property and private rights? Absolutely. It has, and it has been. The policies are just absolutely unmistakable. They came, they were, the policies that are being implemented on us today originated with Agenda 21, 2030 Agenda, Sustainable Development, and the United Nations. Hmm. Well, you know, I always said Obama was the eighth inning setup guy, to use a baseball analogy. He's going to get you to the ninth inning with a lead, and then you bring in your closer. I almost get the feeling that the Biden administration, not Biden, but his, his handlers, they're the closers. They're the ninth inning closers to close out the game by creating so much chaos they're setting up the ushering in of the new system. Will that be a new president, in your opinion, that comes in to usher in the new system from the chaos that Biden's creating? I don't see any way to predict that right now. I just don't know. Uh, I, you know, the election system in America is so screwy that nobody has confidence in it anymore. Yeah, you and I aren't going to have any say on who gets elected, but, but I'm saying the controllers, I don't see them taking the man who's the creator of the chaos and making him the hero of the rescue because they got to sell it to the public, right? They got to make it palatable. Do you, do you remember what happened when the financial meltdown took place in Europe and both Greece and Italy were just virtually going to collapse? Yes, absolutely. And uh, two people were, a, a person was appointed in each case to come in and a, a, like a dictator to be the prime minister of those countries. Uh-huh, yeah, but, I know. Not bail them out, but, you know, to make things right, the fixers, if you will. And those fixers, both of them, both of them were called technocrats. Oh, my goodness. This that, could, could be substitute leaders brought. I'm just hypothesizing, but substitute leaders brought in by a group like the U.N. to yeah. save America from itself. Oh, boy. That happened. That's exactly what happened in Greece. Yeah. Yeah, to the, what a great what a great analogy that is. That really helps frame this. Hey, we're almost out of time. I have, we're going to have you back sooner rather than later because there's I, I've got like ten questions here we didn't even touch uh, because it's such a broad topic. But in the time we have left, tell people how they can follow your good work. Well, when technocracy.news gets back up again, they can go there. Uh, <laughs> that's where they need to be. Technocracy.news and. Our, uh, our activism website is uh, Citizens for Free Speech. I can't encourage everybody to go there enough to go there. Yeah. Stand the line with us on free speech and the First Amendment. If we lose that day, we're done. Yeah, when they're in the process of taking it. It's and by the way, that organization is prominently displayed on my newsletter because I believe in it so much. It's such a great, great organization. Well, this matter of record real quick, five seconds, ladies and gentlemen. Pat Wood wrote uh, Trilateral's over Washington, and now I get to interview him. That's pretty cool. I went from, wow, my eyes are open by this guy I don't know, and here he is, the expert on technocracy. Pat, thanks so much for joining us. Very informative. I'm going to be in touch to reschedule because we're incomplete, but we're out of time too. So thanks, Pat. You bet. Bye-bye.